This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about BetOnline.ag. BetOnline Sportsbook has all of your props, odds, promos, and parlays for the 2023 NBA Finals. Use our promo code BLEAVE. That's B-L-E-A-V to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the link in the description to this episode. Bet online, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network. Except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. Except, wait a minute, I'm hearing that this this is, in fact, live? This is a live podcast? Live for all of your consuming pleasure? Wow. I mean, you can listen however and whenever you so choose, but this is a live post-game show. We are live on the air after game number two of the NBA Finals between the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat. Thanks for stopping in however and whenever you may be listening to the Game 2 post-game show here on the Take It Easy podcast. Oh man, we had so much set up here. We were prepared to come in with Denver Nuggets, Loud Right. I had finally put together the I Was Loud Right About Denver Nuggets video. It's close to four minutes long, but I had put together all the sounds of me saying in February the Nuggets were going to win the Western Conference, in March saying the Denver Nuggets would win the Western Conference, in April saying the Denver Nuggets would win the Western Conference, and in May telling you the Denver Nuggets were going to win the Western Conference while going 12-3 and in the Western Conference playoffs, and they did exactly that. I was watching this game, and I was totally prepared for the Denver Nuggets to win a Game 2 in which they not only went up 2-0 in the series against the Miami Heat, they went up 2-0 in a series against the Miami Heat where the Denver Nuggets were going to be just the fourth team in NBA history to start the playoffs 10-0 and on their home court. You want to know the teams they would have been in the same company as? The 1986 Boston Celtics. 
regarded as one of the great teams of all time. They went 40-1 and in the regular season at home, tied for the greatest record in the history of the NBA. 1987 Lakers, regarded as the best team of the Showtime era, and the 1996 Chicago Bulls that went 72-10. and Those are the only three teams that started the playoffs 10-0 and on their home court. The Denver Nuggets were prepared to do just that, and then Miami Heat voodoo magic came through at the very end. Seven of Miami's last 14 points coming from the free throw line. Miami ends the game with 36 fourth quarter points. Halfway through the fourth quarter, they had scored 23 points compared to Denver's nine. It was an incredible run for the Miami Heat, and they win game two, 111 to 108. And at the very end, Miami was up five points with 40 seconds to play. They had gotten Bam Adebayo to the free throw line. He knocked down two free throws. By the way, I mentioned the voodoo magic. Seven of Miami's final 14 points in the game. Free throws. The voodoo magic of being able to draw fouls. They forced, They put Denver in foul trouble at the 9-14 mark of the fourth quarter, too. That's when they were shooting free throws. So every foul, they were going to the free throw line, and they took advantage of it. Because, again, 36 points in the fourth quarter. They scored 23 of them in the first six minutes of the fourth quarter and seven of their final 14 points. Free throws, baby. And if Denver had won that game with Jokic mismatching on Gabe Vincent and getting a basket with 36 seconds, Jimmy Butler missing the open three-pointer at the end of the game, Denver electing to not call a timeout with 12 seconds to play and trailing by three points... If Denver hits that Jamal Murray three-pointer, which was about three-quarters of an inch away from going in, just three-quarters of an inch from winning the basketball game, if that shot goes in, then the Miami Heat go to overtime, maybe pull it out, maybe don't. But this wasn't like, oh, Denver had this game and then they blew it. No, if if Denver had hit that shot and forced overtime and won game two, they would have stolen a game for the Miami Heat because Miami had that game in the bag from the fourth quarter onward. And the the game was close at the beginning. I will give them credit there. Like Denver had one incredible run in this game that was... I, I, let's go back to the beginning of the game. So at one point in the game, it was 66 to 66. How we got to 66-66 was pretty freaking incredible because the game begins, Miami Heat go on a 20 to t- a 21 to 10 run to begin the game. At the end of the first quarter, it's 26-23, but specifically I want to focus in on the 21 to 10 run Miami had to start the game. Max Struess hit four three-pointers in the first quarter. He hit four out of seven attempts. Max Struess, after going 0 for 9 from the three-point line in game one, took seven three-pointers in the first quarter of game two. And Miami went up 21 to 10 because the game plan for Denver was we're going to leave Max Struess open on the rotations. 
And after Max Struess went four for seven in the first quarter, and Miami went up 21 to 10, with a starting lineup, by the way, that didn't include Caleb Martin, Eastern Conference Finals MVP Caleb Martin didn't even play in the starting lineup. After going with a starting lineup of Kevin Love and Max Struess and Gabe Vincent, Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, and Max Struess took seven three-pointers, hit four of them to go up 21 to 10. After that, Max Struess went 0 for 3 the rest of the game. Which means if you take out the first quarter of Game 2, Max Struess is 0 for 12 from the three-point line on the series. And when you factor in the first quarter, he's still a 22% three-point shooter. But besides the point, they went Max Struess right out the gate. They went up 21 to 10 right out the bat against Denver. And after Miami took a 21 to 10 lead, Denver just bull rushes them like a one seed playing an eight seed. Denver had consecutive runs, and this is all one long run, but I just want to list some of the numbers within there. 17 to 2, Denver run. 27 to 6, Denver run. 40 to 14, Denver run. Each of the first two are all part of the 40-14 to run, but it was start to finish, beat the crap out of the Miami Heat. From the end of the first quarter until right around halftime, it was beat the living crap out of the Miami Heat. And they did it with three-pointers. They did it with Jokic getting involved in the offense in the first quarter. When they got down big, they had Jokic just bully inside on Bam Adebayo. They beat the zone. Michael Porter Jr. was burying three-pointers. All three bench players for the Denver Nuggets scored at least seven points in the second quarter, which is kind of crazy. Bruce Brown, Jeff Green, Christian Braun all had... Sorry, Christian Braun had six, but seven for Bruce Brown, nine for Jeff Green. Jeff Green, by the way, got it all at the free-throw line, too. So Jeff Green, six free-throws. Christian Braun, six points. Bruce Brown, seven points in the second quarter. There was a time where because of that second quarter blitz that Denver had where they went up 40 to 14, there was a time in the third quarter of this game that Kyle Lowry had a negative 25 plus minus. It's absolutely insane. A negative 25 for our buddy Kyle Lowry. And the whole Miami bench went this way too. Uh, They do a sponsored segment during the finals that's like more or less. I'm not going to say the sponsor because they don't sponsor the show. But Jeff Van Gundy said kind of the obvious thing, which is like less players off the bench for the Miami Heat. Because Miami started the game off with a bench rotation of Kyle Lowry, Caleb Martin, Duncan Robinson, Cody Zeller, and Haywood Highsmith. And in the third quarter, all of those guys were in the negatives. I have the numbers here. Because of that run that they went on at the end of the third quarter, Duncan Robinson was a minus 19. Haywood Highsmith was a minus 17. Kayla Martin was a minus 17. And as I mentioned a second ago, Kyle Lowry was a minus 25. When it was 66-66, which remember, this is the entry point on what we were talking about here. When it was 66-66... They all were worse than negative 17 on the plus-minus game. And Denver went on in succession, 17-2 run, 
27 to 6 run, 40 to 14 run after Miami started the game on a 21 to 10 run. So at this point the score is Denver 41, my or sorry, Denver 50, Miami 35. It went from Miami is up 11 to Denver is up 15. And then the Miami Heat go on a 15 point swing. 31 to 16, which leads us into halftime and into the fourth quarter. And what did the Miami Heat do during that run? Free throws, baby. Bam Adebayo gets to the free throw line four times, hits all four free throws. Jimmy Butler gets to the free throw line twice, hits both free throws. Gabe Vincent gets to the free throw line three times on a foul, hits all three of them. They in that stretch of time, the Miami Heat went five for six at the free throw line. Uh, in sorry, in just the thirty-one to sixteen run, Miami goes five for six at the free throw line. Up to that point in the game, Miami is nine for ten at the free throw line, and then you get into the fourth quarter. And like we were talking about with the voodoo magic, Miami seven for seven of their final fourteen points come at the free throw line. As a team, they finish the game shooting, and I'm doing quick math in my head right now. Quick math, quick math. That is. As a team, 18 for 20 at the free throw line for the Miami Heat. 90% as a team, seven different players go to the free throw line. Duncan Robinson's one free throw was a miss, so if you take that one out, that's 18 for 19 among six different Miami Heat players, all the starters, and Kyle Lowry, who in the fourth quarter got fouled on a jump shot and hit three free throws. And the Miami Heat end up winning the game running away, and it was a wild way to get to 66-66 because, like I said, Miami starts out on a 21-10 run. Then Denver goes on a 40-14 run. Then Miami goes on a 31-16 run. And then we get to the third quarter where Jokic just goes berserk. And Jeff Van Gundy pointed this out at the end of the game. Like, Jokic finishes with 41 points, and Jokic finishes with only four assists. And the four assists is a much bigger difference in the game because... This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. At one point, and I'm going to verify this right now that it's true at the end. At one point, Jokic was a minus six, despite the fact that the Nuggets had an eight point lead. And looking back at the end of this game, Jokic was a minus 11 on the floor. In plus minus, Jokic was a minus 11, and they only lost by three points. Jokic ended up being minus 11 during his time on the floor, and that's because the zone defense totally tricked out the Miami Heat. The, the Heat I'm sorry, the Miami Heat zone defense tricked out the Denver Nuggets. And the reason it tricked out the Denver Nuggets is this. Jokic took 28 shots. The rest of the starters combined, I'm doing quick math again, they took 34 between every other starter. And Jokic took... 28. I don't have the exact numbers up in game one, but in the first half, or sorry, in the first quarter, Jokic didn't take a single shot. Like in the entire beginning of that game, 
Jokic didn't take an entire shot. At halftime, Jokic was shooting 100% from the field because he had, if I remember the math correctly, he had 12 points and he, no, he had 10 points and 10 assists at halftime and he was three for three from two point range and four for four at the free throw line. He had 10 points at halftime of game one and he only took three shots from the field and was 100%. Three for three from the field, four for four at the free throw line. And in game two, he only had 13 points at halftime, but had taken nine shots and had only made three of them. And so we get to the third quarter and Jokic scores 18 of the 26 Denver Nugget third quarter points. And I don't know what the the thinking behind it was, but it felt like at a certain point, he thought someone else was going to step up for them on offense, and that other person just never really came through. I mean, my, Jamal Murray ended up finishing with 18 points, went 7 for 15 from the field, which in fairness is about Jamal Murray's shooting average, but he didn't shoot at a high enough volume to make that much of an impact, despite the fact, and I will say that Jamal Murray had the highest plus-minus of any of the starters on the Denver Nuggets. Jamal Murray was a minus-2 compared to minus 7 for Gordon, minus 15 for Porter Jr., minus 11 for Jokic, and minus 14 for Contavious Caldwell-Pope, who ended up fouling out at the end of the game anyways. And it was super interesting to watch Jokic just start cooking in the third quarter. It reminded me of that game in the NBA Finals, I think it was game four two years ago, when... Giannis scored 20 points in the third quarter, which was an NBA Finals record going back to, I can't remember which former superstar it was. I want to say it was maybe like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. But scoring 20 points in the third quarter, and then that was the game where he had the block on Aiton at the end. And that was just kind of a Milwaukee needed all of that to end up winning the game. And Jokic needed all of that to win the game, He just also needed someone else to come through besides him in the offense because only four assists for Jokic signifies that the rest of the team was kind of struggling from the field. Michael Porter Jr. was one for six from the three-point line. Uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope only took four shots in the game, and he made one. Uh, 36 minutes finished with six points and six fouls. We mentioned Jamal Murray took 15 shots but only made 18 points. And Jamal Murray only took one free throw in the entire game as compared to game one where I'm pretty sure he took... uh, Let me get the exact number for you here. But in game one of the series, Jamal Murray had a ton of points and I want to say got to the free throw line in the double digits. Let me check here. No, he he only got to the free throw line twice. Who am I thinking of? No, Jokic got to the free throw line 12 times. That's what I was thinking of. I confused uh, Jokic and Jamal Murray on that one. My apologies. Um, But Jamal Murray only gets to the free throw line one time in that game. And Jokic only gets to the free throw line in this game too. He only gets to the free throw line eight times, ends up making seven of them. But again, he was such a focal point of the offense because he took 28 shots in the game. And that was their entire offense. He had four assists and ended up being a minus seven. Whereas in game one of the series... Jokic took 12 shots, had 14 assists, and a triple-double, and was also a plus 14 on the floor when the team only won by 8 points. And so the zone defense worked out for Miami in the fact that like, not only were the Nuggets... There was fear like if you play the zone defense, they will leave you open for 3. 
those threes weren't really all that open. Like the Miami Heat rotations on defense, it didn't feel like Michael Porter Jr. ever really had like an open, open three-pointer, and I felt like that totally changed the direction of the game because he went one for six. There was one wide open one that he missed in the third quarter. I do remember that, but for the most part, like he was well defended on those three-point shots, and it ended up being the difference in the end because... Jokic gave them 41 points, but it was such an inefficient 41 that Miami was able to pull away at the end of the game. And Jokic giving them 18 of 26 in the third quarter was... The 26 is more the indictment than the 18. Because when Giannis gave the Bucks 20 points in the third quarter of, I want to say it was game three or game four of that series in the finals two years ago... I believe the Bucks finished the quarter with 34, 35 points. Like, the indictment wasn't Jokic having to go for 18. It was impressive as hell the way he got those 18 points. But Jokic getting the 18 points while the rest of the team had eight in the quarter. And then we fast forward to the fourth quarter where Denver got outscored. Denver only had 25 points in the whole fourth quarter. And so... Outside of the one run in the middle of the second quarter, Denver didn't have the offensive explosion that is the reason they win these games. Because, like I said, they they gave up 111 in this game. They gave up 94 in the last game because Miami went 5 for 16 on uncontested three-pointers. And Max Struess went 0 for 9. Like, all of that played into the favor of the Denver... uh, All of it played into the favor of the Miami Heat... The Miami Heat gave them, uh, doing the quick math, they gave them 36 points in the fourth quarter compared to the 25 of Denver, and that was the difference in the game. Denver needed either a 36-point quarter in the fourth, or they needed a 36-point, more more probably, they needed a 36-point quarter when Jokic is giving you 18 of those points. If Jokic is giving you 18, Bruce Brown's going to get a couple in there like he had in the fourth quarter. You're going to have Michael Porter Jr. hopefully knock down a couple of those three-pointers. Jamal Murray didn't really take a shot in the third quarter of that game. And the Denver Nuggets offense kind of tightened up because Miami said, we'll live with the Jokic mismatches. That was their adjustment. Jokic keeps trying to distribute. He keeps trying to make those passes. He keeps trying to find those open threes. It's more important that we rotate on the open threes and leave Jokic on a mismatch than it is to collapse our defense and leave guys open for three. They weren't doubling on Jokic, and they weren't switching on Jokic either. They were just saying, Jokic, you can have your buckets. As long as we defend the rest of the team, we think we can pull out a win. And Miami had to do basically everything right on offense to pull out that win because, again, 108 points isn't terrible. It's just in the context of Miami hit 51% of their three-point shots. They were 16 for 31 with five minutes left to play in the game before Jimmy missed that three-pointer. So I think they fell under 50%, but they hit 50% of their three-pointers. We talked about Max Struess hitting four of seven in the first quarter of the game and them jumping out to an 11-point lead. If Miami executed their offense, they were going to be able to live with Jokic going for 40 and taking 28 shots while being a negative in the plus-minus. They can live with that and still survive, and not only survive in this game, they ended up thriving at the end of it. Because, like I said, if Jamal Murray had buried that three-pointer at the end of the game and Jamal Murray had carried them to the overtime and then Denver pulls it out, that would have been a stolen victory from Denver. 
almost from start to finish, Miami dominates Denver. Denver pulls away in the second quarter when they're playing their game. Because remember, the problem there was Miami went too deep on the bench. Jokic wasn't even on the floor for a good portion of that 40-14 to run that Denver had. That was Jamal Murray, Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Jeff Green picking apart the Miami bench of Kyle Lowry, Haywood Highsmith, and Cody Zeller, and Caleb Martin. I think maybe you had Duncan Robinson on the floor at that point. That was just them picking apart the Miami bench unit more than it was Jokic distributing and Jokic running the offense. That was more on the Denver Nuggets than it was anything else. And I thought that was really interesting to watch play out in real time. I thought it was really interesting to see Miami have their offense execute in a way that was able to get them the victory and get them by Denver while allowing Jokic to go for 40 points and playing off Jokic on the double teams. So all of that was the well and good analysis that I wanted to do here. The last thing I want to bring up before we go is one of the longest running jokes now on this show, because this has been a joke going back to the bubble season. This has been a joke going back to the 2020 NBA playoffs with the Miami Heat, which is the Duncan Robinson game. The Miami Heat used up the Duncan Robinson game. You get one a series... Every series, it's been damn near consistent for every Miami Heat playoff run. You get one, maybe one and a half Duncan Robinson games. And after having zero points in the first three quarters of the game and recording a minus 19 in the box score, Duncan Robinson gave you the first 10 points of the fourth quarter. Duncan Robinson was the highest scoring Miami Heat player in the entire fourth quarter. And he did it all in the first 12 points from both teams. The first 14. It was a 12-2 Miami run to start the fourth quarter. 10 of those were Duncan Robinson. Those were his entire 10 points of the game. After he was minus 19 in the first three quarters of the game. And they sat Max Struess at the end of the game. They sat Caleb Martin until the very end when he hit the three-pointer in the corner because they had to sub out Kevin Love. It was an incredible Duncan Robinson half a game. Maybe because it's the finals, we get two... A game and a half of Duncan Robinson. So maybe this was the half Duncan Robinson game. They used all. They used just a teensy bit of their Duncan Robinson magic. You usually get one, maybe one and a half Duncan Robinson games. And there's their at least half a Duncan Robinson game right there. Other than that, he's usually a three points in 19 minutes while recording minus 10 in the box score. Today, he was zero points in 17 minutes with a negative 19 in the box score because he can't defend for shit. Duncan Robinson can't defend for shit. And it was shocking, shocking in Game 7 when he blocked a Jalen Brown shot 
or maybe it was an Al Horford shot. He blocked someone's shot at the rim in a game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals. The internet lost their shit when Duncan Robinson recorded, I'm not even joking, like his sixth block of the entire season. And the Duncan Robinson fourth quarter, really the first half of the Duncan Robinson game came through after he was legitimately one of the worst players on the floor the entire game. So congratulations, you used your Duncan Robinson game. I hope you used it wisely, Miami, because you are the first team to beat the Denver Nuggets on their home court since March 30th of the regular season. It has been, doing quick math in my head, 30, uh, 65 days, 65 days since a team won a basketball game against the Denver Nuggets on their home floor, and the Miami Heat did it in game two, and I said during our game one watch party that series is going seven. If Denver ended up winning in five, I could still bask in the glory of being loud right about the Denver Nuggets saying they're an NBA champion in February them being one of the most dominant teams in the history of the NBA. And now that it's 1-1, now that Miami stole a game on Denver's home court, and really they didn't steal the game because, again, it would have been Denver stealing game two if they had found a way to win on the Jamal Murray game winner, or sorry, game tying three-pointer that was like three quarters of an inch away from tying the game and forcing overtime. If Denver had found a way to win, they would have stolen that game from Miami and... They would have gone into Miami with a 2-0 lead that they probably didn't deserve. And on the flip side, now that Miami's won game two, I feel good in doubling down on saying the series is going seven. Who's going to win the series in seven? I got no idea. Game seven is going to be absolutely wild if and when we get there. And now that it's 1-1 going back to Miami, I feel pretty good about the fact that we are headed seven games, and if it's not seven, it's going to be a game six down to the wire in Miami. Six and a half is what I'll call it. It's a six and a half game series. Who's going to win? Guess we'll all find out together. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast post-game show for game two of the NBA Finals. We'll be back at it Tuesday and Wednesday with our regular podcasting schedule, and Thursday will be another post-game show here on the Take It Easy podcast. We will talk to you guys again tomorrow, and in the meantime, take it easy. Duncan Robinson game forever. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design, the kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.